welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. Well, good evening. Um, I was almost going to get it. I was almost going to get it because you delayed, but I missed so it. So close. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to the Misfit Messengers. Yes. Hoshite, you crack me up, woman. You um, actually looked scared there for a minute. It's like, what are you doing? What happened? <laughs> Keeping you on guard. Okay. Anyway. I feel like I need a fencing sword. You know what? I used to have. I don't know where they went. I might have got rid of them. I had fencing swords. Well, I know my your, son's, son, your son is taking fencing, right? Right. And those stuff is expensive. Yeah, it is. Mine were like decorative military sort of things that cool. I found like at a thrift store or something. I don't know. I don't remember where I found them. Oh, that's just like a fun thrift store. Right? I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> for those of you just joining us, if this is your first time, uh, my apologies. We are always a hot mess, but we try to have fun doing it. So um, <laughs> we're just two people who uh, desire to follow Jesus and encourage people and maybe give people some wisdom through no fault of our own, entirely due to the Holy Spirit working through us, because if it was us, probably wouldn't be very wise. So, <laughs> so I got to say about that. Um, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Nehemiah. Very specifically, though, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah through the lens of leadership development, how Nehemiah kind of learns and grows in his leadership as he uh, you know, is the cupbearer to the king, then he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem, then he kind of governs the, the city of Jerusalem. Then uh, last week we talked about how he left a successor in place who did not do a very good job. Mm -hmm. And so he had to come back and kind of fix some, fix some issues. Um, and now we kind of are looking at the whole of the picture of Nehemiah. So what, what are these progressions? How do these progressions kind of show off the leadership development of Nehemiah? But then also, as we kind of think about how that applies maybe to our own lives or our own leadership, what are some things that we can learn from those, from that development? Mm -hmm. And uh, we're using a book by David McKenna, shout out to him, called Becoming Nehemiah, Leading with Significance. And uh, he's got a lot of really good stuff in here. But one thing that I just want to kind of bring our attention to as we begin tonight, for us, it's tonight. You guys can be listening whatever time of day you want to listen. But uh, he's got a list. Um, of, you know, he's got a chart of, of Nehemiah's leadership development, which is really helpful. But then he's got a list of kind of 10 different things uh, that grow. So his he says, uh, uh, taking the ultimate risk, Nehemiah responds with integrity of character and the skills of leadership. Having walked with him step by step through his journey, we now see his path in overview. For those of us who aspire to higher levels of leadership, Nehemiah shows us what is ahead. So here's the task as we develop in leadership, how we kind of grow. And so he's got 10 things. And I, I think that these 10 things, if we kind of reflect, reflect back and sit back and think about our own leadership and friends, leadership doesn't just mean positional authority, right? Yeah. Leadership, leadership is, is often actually not actually leadership is often not positional authority. Well, and I think we've all worked in a place, right, where you have the person who says they're the boss or maybe has the name badge that's the boss, but, like, you you know who the actual boss is. You know who you need to talk to to get stuff done, right? 
Right. So I think every um everyone knows kind of what that looks like. You might have uh it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your job title. It has who is stepping up, who is taking charge, who is getting things done, even not necessarily good things, because you can have leaders who do stuff that is leading in the wrong direction too. So <laughs> but it doesn't have actually anything to do with your positional um authority. You could and you might never have a title in your life, but it doesn't mean that you aren't a leader, that people aren't looking to you for things. Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, exactly. Because number one, our task becomes more complex, ambiguous, and risky. As we, mm -hmm. that happens just in life, right? As we mature yeah. in our life, that can happen where um, adulthood, so the difference between being a child and being an adult often is understanding that the world is far more complex, ambiguous, and dangerous, risky than you ever thought as a kid. Well, isn't that what they say that the first sign of maturity is when you realize you don't know? Right. Yeah. When you're a kid, like you think. So I have a my my children just turned eleven and thirteen respectively, and my my I know it's it's a feeling I'm having anyway. I'm not going to put that to the side for right now. Um, but my 11-year-old, especially my 11-year-old daughter, is definitely starting to tiptoe into the waters of, you just don't understand, mom. You just don't get it. And I'm like, oh, I get all of it. Even even what, even what though you thinking I don't get it, I also get. <laughs> but, um, but when we mature out of it, we realize... Um, the world, like there's so many more nuances and like, yeah, I thought they said that's one of the first signs of maturity is when you realize you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, and the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. Yeah. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Uh, the number two, our scope magnifies into a larger scene with greater responsibility. Mm. Can I tell you that some of the, some of the most frustrating things about life is the fact that if you succeed, if you're if you're successful by whatever arbitrary term success indicates, uh, suddenly you have more responsibilities. You get rewarded with more work. Right. Yay. Yay. That's super <laughs> fun. Uh, number three, our need rises to moral and spiritual levels. Okay, walk me through that one. Well, so what I'm thinking about leader, especially leadership development. When we first start out in any role, a lot of times the need, what needs to get done is very concrete. It's very immediate. It's very almost obvious. The things are very, oh, I need to do this project because that's the obvious next step. Whereas I believe, and obviously David McKenna believes, as you grow in leadership, it ceases to be about the concrete thing. Mm -hmm. And it becomes more about moral and spiritual needs of people around you, your own needs and needs of just on a different, a different level of, yeah. of, does that make sense? Yeah. Because, you know, I think of it in back, back in the day, I worked at a grocery store and did I did I'm talk about it all the time. <laughs> I do do for decade plus it was it was over a decade uh that i worked oh, in a grocery cool. store and i worked um i was i was just a regular everyday employee and then i was an assistant manager then i was a manager and what i found is that the regular everyday employee 
all I was concerned about was the very production level stuff, right? Had to make sure that my case was full, that the sandwiches that needed to be made were made, the cheeses that needed to be cut were cut, the trays that were, the orders for the day were made. It was very concrete stuff, right? Then when I became the assistant manager, it became more about um, the stuff needed to get done as well, but a lot of it was training other people on the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's still concrete things. Then when you get to the management position, then it's, I've got to schedule people. Well, that there's more to that than just stuff production. You've got to deal with people's schedules and family situations and concerns and then ordering trucks and making sure that you get the product that you need, but you don't get too much product. And then you don't get too little product and um, navigating mm. budgets and uh, making ends meet, making sure that your your profit margins are there and all of those sorts of things. So as you increased your level of leadership, as you increased your level of responsibility, it became more complex as far as what is needed in the, in the situation. Yeah. And then if you had went above that, right, you would have been working with districts and you would have been right the uh, uh, greens and, you know, the black and red of uh, mm -hmm. old stores. And then, but then also, <laughs> you know, advertising and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, bigger market trends and right, Mark, thank you, market trend, the bigger stuff of things. But, and if you, we think about specifically in ministry, if you are, just a volunteer with a youth program, you're concerned about making sure that that particular Wednesday night youth program, you know, if your job is to pick up the kids, that the kids are picked up, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're over the entirety of the youth program, well, then it's, you have to make sure that more than just this kids, these kids are picked up, but that the whole of the program, that the volunteers, that everything goes well. Then if you're the head pastor of the group you don't have to just worry about the youth ministry making sure that that happens but all of the things that happen with regard to that and you know again up as you increase your level of leadership responsibility needs change the level of you know when you especially within ministry you really stop stop worrying so much about this the lights on in the building and the gassing up in the vehicle, like those things still things need to be done. Right. Mm. But you also need to be concerned about the moral and spiritual health of your congregation and the moral and spiritual health of the people around you and under you. And yeah. Make sense. All right. I got it. Okay. Number four, our style becomes more collaborative. Mm. Yay. Teamwork. <laughs> I found that uh, the the longer I've been in a position of leadership, uh, and specifically now in, in my current position, it's very much there is positional authority with my job and job title, that collaboration is king for me with regard to my particular job and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. That if I were to, I think uh, those who think that leadership is about the person, the leader, having to instigate all of the things or have the hand in all of the things, they're not growing in leadership. Because when you grow and mature in leadership, in my opinion, you just start to, you just almost by default have to just start gathering teams yeah. of people. 
right? I know what skills I might have, but I know that there are skills I don't have. So I need to make sure that we have a team because I can't do all the things. You can't do all the things. Yeah. So just in case you thought you could, you can't just. Well, and even with the nuanced things with that, with building your team, realize I think collaboration more is about um, everyone having a piece of the a piece of the prize or having it, you know, like, um, I'm not saying that the way I want to, everyone has buy-in. Oh yeah. When you, when you, cause that is not just my idea coming down and all you people make it happen. Yeah. It's what you're, because you're different from me, you see a different need perhaps than I do or a different solution than I might, mm -hmm. you know, so collaboration, I think is so important for those things because we all have blind spots. We all have different um um okay actually we just we just kind of had this uh I'm, so i'm in an interview process right now and we just had two really uh really great candidates and they were super super different from each other and so there was one that i liked and there was one that my uh team lead liked and so we actually brought in all of the members of the team not in the interviews but with the different things we both said this is what we liked and we let them weigh in on it right because they are and um, there were some that had questions on my my pick that I hadn't thought of before. Mm -hmm. Like, well, what if this happened in the scenario? What if this happened in the scenario? Or just based on, you know, the interview, how do you think they would react to this scenario? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even, like, think right. about all those factors because I'm I'm one step actually removed in a management role that I was like, oh, I can see now why team lead, you were gearing more towards this person because of you are in right you know but if i'm like yeah. well i'm the boss and i'm gonna pick who i want to pick because that's what i can do that won't be helpful but right now i agree wholeheartedly um we've got a you know situation where in our location um in our my the situation i'm in we've got a new a new set of eyes that we we've brought onto the team and it is refreshing to to be able to collaborate in a way and to have someone with a fresh perspective that hasn't been here uh very long and so can bring in like this is what i thought when i didn't work for the salvation army and just oh okay yeah i never would have thought of that because we've just worked here for years right so it's just it is collaboration is so very helpful and as we grow in leadership i feel like we can understand better maybe that it's it's an imperative aspect to, to being a good leader. Number five is our competence shifts towards delegation. I think mm. this is a very healthy uh, evidence, if you will, or, or thing that you see in, in healthy leaders as they develop is that they, be, they, can, they can delegate authority well, they can give direction well and, and skills, so one of the things, so obviously Salvation Army, we run a lot of different programs throughout the year, one of which is our seasonal uh, programs, Christmas, you know, toy shop. And it's imperative that each of the people within that toy shop situation know what their job responsibilities are so that no single individual person has to do all of the things, right? We share responsibilities, but Part of delegation is making sure that whoever you delegate to has the skills and resources 
um, to, to be able to do that well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delegation. Yeah. Super important. And and it's a it's a skill set. Being able to delegate well is a skill that you can learn and you can improve upon. Well, and I think people forget that people on your team want to be used. Yeah. Like they want people, people feel good when they're useful. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number six, our resource leans towards persuasion. Our resource leans towards persuasion. That's where you're kind of trying to sell the mission, if you will, um, where you get buy-in from people. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily am fully, fully on board with this one. I think it, I agree with it, but I guess for me, I feel like the mission sells itself in, in ministry. Um, sure. But I guess maybe, maybe he's talking more about specific specificity within that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the particular project or thing that you're working on right that second um, to get people to, to kind of buy into that, that moment in time or that project or that, you know, set of goals that need to be accomplished or whatever. But all right. Number seven, our conflict turns inward toward heresy, which you can tell this guy is definitely scripture related Nehemiah stuff. Um, and Nehemiah, so Nehemiah had to deal with a bunch of backsliding from the religious aspect of, of Jerusalem. You got to remember Jerusalem looks a little different uh, in Nehemiah's time than it, than uh, we think of 21st century American church, right? So yeah. in Jerusalem, it was it was not there was no separation between church and state. There's no separation between the politics of Jerusalem and the religion of worship at the temple. And so uh, heresy would have been a, a large part of the Nehemiah Ezra sort of reinstitutionalization of Judaism, of this temple worship, the sacrificial system, all of those things would have been tied in together. So that's kind of where David McKenna is coming from. But you can also have conflict turning inward within an organization where it's not, and I've seen this in any in, in many organizations, because anything yeah. that has people, right, is there's a potential for a disagreement internally about the way we should do something. Yep. And especially with regard to the mission or vision. Right. Uh, you know, is the is what we're doing meeting the mission? And there might be factions <clears throat> that grow grow up into your organization or under your leadership where some might say, yes, what we're doing is definitely driving the mission. And then others might say, no, we've lost the vision of our mission. We've lost that long ago. We need to bring back the glory days because you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that's when we were actually doing it right. We need to go back to those days. And that's where you your conflict, instead of it being, so specifically I'm thinking of Nehemiah, his first, when he first gets there, he's rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. His conflict is against other people. Yep. Right? The like, Ammonite, the, the, so foreigners, people who don't want him rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. It's not an internal fight. It's an external fight. Right. And, yeah. So therefore the people were united against it. They knew who the enemy was. They, yeah. Right. Whereas as you grow in leadership or just maybe become a higher positionally in your organization, you'll find that there are conflicts that arise internally 
in in your organization, in your in your situation. And you've got to learn how to figure out how to work through those conflicts. You've, that's why persuasion is a real thing. Uh, as you're trying to figure out and navigate that collaborative thing, are we all on the same mission page? Are we all doing, aiming at the same goal? And I think this is where leadership development requires of us the humility to listen to others. Mm, yeah. Um, I think that goes back to the blind spot thing, right? We have them. We do. We do. That's why... I think, well, I think in Christianity all over, we're not meant to be isolationists, right? Like we're just, we need other people to keep us centered right. in all aspects. Yeah, We go off the deep end into wacko theology and bad business practices. Right. The, the, the danger though, is allowing that internal conflict to destroy the organization from the inside out mm. or the I'm using organization as a generic term for any, any group that you're a part of that you might have leadership within. Um, it could be as small as a team group um, in your business. Like you're part of the, you know, the youth ministry team, internal conflict can destroy that just as much it can, as it can destroy a, destroy a fortune 500 company. Right. So, but the idea is that, as you grow and mature in leadership, you're going to come up against internal conflicts. And sometimes those are the hardest because you feel almost like it's a betrayal. It's a, it's a civil war within your organization, stabbing in the back sort of a mentality and being able to recognize and identify and say, how do we, how do we sit down at the table in a mature, healthy, mutually respectful way to work through these internal conflicts and not and not get to the point where we call each other heretics right <laughs> and not call each other you know fill in the blank of whatever you call each other because if you disagree with me so you must hate god and everything and you must be a bad person and right well i mean it is an election year so <laughs> yes. we're going to be hearing more of that yes it is and I think we we have learned in our culture because we've had this great dichotomy of it's either it's us versus them, it's Republican, Democrat. If it's you disagree with me, you must hate me. And we need to relearn that that's not how life actually works. Uh, I can disagree with someone without hating them, right? We can just disagree on an idea or disagree disagree about a way in which we do something. Mm. But maturity and leadership requires us to not take a statement or a conflict personally and say, okay, what's the issue that's driving this conflict, right? What's the underlying thing that we're actually talking about, right? So anyway, we could, honestly, each of these, we could dive into. I know, into I'm like, oh, yeah, keep going. Probably each of these, we could probably have our own, like a, a an episode on each one of these, really. <laughs> That's well, who says we can't. What? What? I mean, I don't know. True. Down the road, maybe we can. All right. Numbers eight. Number eight. Our accountability is diversified among stakeholders. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can I say that if we aren't accountable to every level of people, then we're not very good leaders. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're only accountable to those above you, 
in your organization, congregation, business, whatever you want to be in, you're miss your no, you have to be accountable to every level yeah. of quote unquote stakeholders. So some you know, you know, if you if you're a pastor, then you're just as accountable to your congregation as you are to the community as you are to your synod or diocese or district or whatever your headquarters, whatever your terminology is for that. As leaders, especially Christian leaders, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus and want to and and have any desire to leadership, honestly, I'd rather not, but somehow or another I've ended up in these positions. God has called me to this, so I'm gonna try to fulfill as best I can. But as we follow Jesus, we should have an integrity to be transparent with those around us. Now, there are certain things, confidentiality and certain private things that we don't need to share with the whole world, right? There's there's boundaries that are healthy. Yeah. But, but for example, my position, Corps Officer of Salvation Army, I need to be accountable not just to my core people, so the congregation, but also to my leaders, but also to my community. And I need to be transparent when, if they have hard questions, I need to answer them with honest, open answers. I mean, without, of course, breaking confidentiality and other very important and healthy rules. But like, their accountability is important. And as you're growing leadership, I think of it this way. If I'm doing things that I would be ashamed to admit, mm. um, then probably need to I need to take a take a good hard look at my life, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then, of course, if I'm doing things that I'm ashamed to admit that I'm doing, that I don't want accountability, and then what kind of leader am I? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, that's definitely something to soul search, right? And I think that's why we need collaboration too. People should. You should. I mean, not everyone needs to know everything, but you should have some people. That know you pretty good. Yep. That can hold um hold you accountable into those things to say, mm, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> right. And be willing to call you out. Yep. Yes. Don't believe the right. Someone who can call you out on your hype. Yep. Don't believe everything <laughs> that's said, right? Number nine, I, we oh, I'm telling you, we we need I to know like, it's good. Like we it. need to do every single one of these. I think that'd be good. And and maybe do like how this plays out in scripture. Anyway, all right. I, ideas, friends. This is cool ideas. All right. Number nine, our prayers are more reflective. Mm. I agree. I tend yeah. to have very... So my prayers as I've grown in Christ um, went from very like straightforward, uh, thank you, God, and then ask God for X thing. And then it becomes now more of a conversation a back and forth uh with god on life and and just yeah reflection is super helpful and important i definitely have longer conversations in my prayer life with god it's not just a cut and dry like god here's the list of things that i need you to deal with it's very it's kind of more back and forth sort of thing so uh yeah number 10 our goals tend to be long term and intangible Mm. our goals tend to be long-term and intangible. 
I don't like intangible goals. I like I'm I'm a millennial. I like it right now. I'm a hot pocket person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I did I, have a hot pocket oven once. Changed my life. So maybe I'm You put a hot pocket in the oven? I did. Mm. I really did. That changed your life, huh? I mean not... so much better, huh? It was better. <laughs> but I mean I that's what I struggle with. The uh, I, I like I like the results now. But I know well, I can't have anything I want. Understand that this is a list of as you grow and mature in your leadership, these are these are the things that he sees change your perspective changes as you grow in leadership. And I get it. For me, I, I love tangible goals because they're man, <laughs> you can you can say I either yes, I hit this goal or no, I didn't hit this goal. That's why smart goals are a thing, right? I, was like, I'm, I am the kind of person I will write something that I've already done on my list just so I can scratch it off. I will not do that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I will not do that. I, I don't mind intangible goals. I, I like the kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this thing. So for me, if, for example, I want to read more nonfiction books, especially and, and very specific books. And I've got a whole list. And so for me, it's not about how many books, right? It's more about, I just want to read more. Like, I just want to, I want to learn more about specific topics, right? And so, yeah, I could put it, and it could, if I wanted a smart aspect to that, I could say this many of these, this kind of book by this date. Uh, but I don't, that for me, that isn't as helpful anymore in my life. Because then I just get frustrated about the numbers, and I make it about the numbers instead of about the actual goal, which is knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, I that just bugs me. So I don't. Anyway. So those those are the ten. Yeah, and I, agree. I think we need to flush some of those out. I would love, you know, what I would love, and maybe we should do this, is to get some get some other voices to the table with those insights. Absolutely. Ooh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And listeners, you want to be on? Send us a message. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. It's getting to be that time, friend. Uh, I know you've got uh, some kids to feed, and yeah. I've got some preparation I got to do for uh, work tomorrow. But this has been a fabulous conversation. Friends, understand that, man, leadership leadership's tough time at times, especially if you don't have positional leadership. But there are ways in which as we grow, as we mature, there are tools out there. There's a lot of reflection that needs to happen. I mean, I learned a lot in leadership just by being mindful of myself. Like being mm. self-aware is super yeah. helpful. Well, and I, I think our emotional, healthy spirituality that we did, yep. I, I found that personally really helpful. Me too. Knowing my past, knowing my triggers, knowing yep. my defaults and, mm -hmm. you know, utilizing them where I need to, or, not, you know, punching them like when they need to be. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, any final thoughts tonight, Amanda? Um, yeah, it might be a, a bit of a longer one. Okay. So my, my son, I've been really getting really into the show forged with fire forged in fire. Do you know that show? Yeah. So it's like, um, so, uh, it's like a, a competition show for people who make different swords and knives or something so they'll tell them like you have to take this uh random piece of metal like a lawnmower 
uh, blade and you got to like turn it into a medieval dagger or something like that. Um, and it's really um, interesting, kind of with all these types of shows, but it's really interesting to see the people who think they know it, what they're doing. Oh, yeah, well, you just got to, you know, do this kind of thing. <clears throat> and to see um, kind of the mistakes they make versus the the people who are like, oh, I don't really know what how to do this. So I'm going to go slow. I'm going to go methodical. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to try little techniques and a little part to see if it does well and they usually end up faring much better and I think leadership can sometimes be that and we can go in all like blaze glory and throw all of our ducks in a row and then we end up with a blade that cracks right or mm -hmm. we can say you know I'm gonna realize my limit <laughs> and yeah. I'm gonna go um I'm gonna give it my all but I'm gonna realize where I'm limited and I'm going to um work around that or through that or you know mm -hmm. it's a it's a cool show but it just it i've been thinking about that in, in the terms of leadership and uh are we listening to the people around us are we reading you know especially with some of these guys i don't even read up on the sort of stuff they just assume they think they know what it is and then they're like ah oh, this is totally like the wrong thing that you brought me you know right but i love that show and i think actually yeah. it's awesome that you bring that up because i think it does completely work with leadership development and how yeah. that forging process, that heating up, that um, you got to melt stuff, you got to reform it, you got to take yep. some garbage and turn it into. Yep. Cool. And but to do that, you you do have to take some time, and sometimes you do end up with something that ends up cracking or failing, like because they they test that those things hard. Cut them through like, like whole pigs and. Rubber right. and copper pipes and crazy stuff. Yep. Awesome. righty. Good final thoughts tonight, Amanda. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think we're good call it a day. Uh God blesses us by Amanda. <laughs> so we can be a blessing to others. All right, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>